Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip and they set up the tent and fell asleep. Some hours later, Holmes wakes up his faithful friend, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. Watson replies, I see a million stars. Holmes says, what does that tell you? Watson ponders for a moment. Astronomically speaking, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Time-wise, it appears to be approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, it's evident that the Lord is all-powerful and we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, it seems that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Holmes says, Watson, what does it tell you? Watson turns to Holmes and says, What does it tell you? Holmes is silent for a moment, then speaks. Watson, you idiot. Someone has stolen our tent. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led Christians everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We thank him for his sacrifice on Calvary on our behalf. And we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit lean guide us as we speak to your people and that you open their hearts to receive your wisdom and your input from your Holy Spirit. We want to all hear your voice today and we ask that you speak to us and we be willing to hear what your Spirit has to say to this generation. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Breathe God In, Breathe God Out. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? I'm doing better. We had a minor crisis yesterday with our septic system. Hopefully that is now mm-hmm. resolved. God always provides and takes care of things, doesn't he? God's blessing is often in what doesn't happen mm-hmm. as well as what does happen. Mm-hmm. And when he prevents bad things from happening, that's as much of a blessing as when somebody gives you a bunch of money. That's right. So we praise him for that. Everything worked out so well. And uh, we just thank that God is watching over us. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about how we need to breathe in God and we need to breathe out God. It's a respiratory spiritual thing. Mm, yeah. You know, Theonoustos in the Greek means God breathed. And what we need to understand is that God's spirit is the breath of life. That's what it says in the book of Genesis when God breathed in the breath of life to Adam. That's when he became a living soul. Mm -hmm. And having the breath of God in us is what inspires us to want to be with God because spirit connects to spirit. And his spirit is like our spirit because his spirit is the spirit that was breathed into us all those years ago in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. And so in order for us to truly live, we need to have the spirit of God in us. We need to breathe it in as it were. And he needs to dwell in our bellies. He needs to dwell and fill us with his light. But there's a second part of it that is breathing out God. You know, just as you breathe in air, you have to breathe out air. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the respiratory system. 
can't just breathe it in and hold it, you'll pass out. Right. Can't just breathe it out and not breathe in, you'll pass out. Mm-hmm. You got to do both. And so likewise, in a Christian's daily life, we have to breathe out God. That means to allow his spirit to go forth from us and to influence those around us. Yeah, that's really an interesting point. You know, I remember years ago being at the customer service desk of a grocery store. And there was a woman that was working behind the counter and she had a big button on her shirt that said, too blessed to be stressed. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a neat testimony. And she's standing there talking to the first customer who obviously was a friend of hers. And they were talking about this amazing move of God that had come upon their church. And they were just saying, it's just amazing what happened. And the pastor even went out in the spirit and God was ministering everywhere and the Holy Spirit was moving. It was really profound. Finally, they ended their conversation. The customer left. The next customer came up and the woman behind the counter just got this real cranky look on her face and said, what can I do for you? And her attitude and her disposition and everything about her changed when she was no longer talking with her cohort in the Christian experience. And now she was just talking to this person that she didn't even know. And I felt like that really belied the button on her shirt that she was wearing that said, too blessed to be stressed, because it was very obvious that she was happy and joyful when she was with the friend and they're talking about the things of God. But when she interacted with somebody that was not in her circle, so to speak, she was totally different. And I think a lot of times that's kind of the rut we fall into. We experience things of God and we want to either keep them to ourselves or just share them with the people that experienced it with us. And we want to hoard all of his blessings, whatever they may be to ourselves, whether they're physical or emotional or spiritual or whatever they are, we want to just keep it to ourselves because it feels good and we feel like it's ours. But it dawned on me the other day, I was driving down the road and looking at all the beautiful plants that I get to drive by when I go through the mountains on the way to work. And thinking that even just the way that this earth functions, plants and animals are in a very symbiotic relationship because we inhale oxygen and then we use what our body needs and we exhale carbon dioxide and the plants breathe in the carbon dioxide and use what they need and they exhale oxygen. So we need each other to be able to breathe. And if we were to just keep all the oxygen inside ourselves, the beings that need the carbon dioxide, the plants, wouldn't be able to survive. And if they used the carbon dioxide and they kept everything inside themselves, there would be no exhaling of the oxygen and we couldn't survive. That's exactly how God wants this Christian life to be. We can't just keep everything he gives us and our experience with him and him himself inside of us and not share it. It actually becomes toxic if people hold carbon dioxide in their body. You have to exhale it. Your body will force you to exhale it because you can't keep it. Like you said, you'll pass out if you hold all the oxygen in and don't release the carbon dioxide. And likewise, you'll pass out if you just release the carbon dioxide and don't inhale the oxygen. There are people around us that are like those plants. God gives us what we need. He uses it in us to build us up, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to heal us. And then there is leftover. There's always leftover. And we're supposed to breathe that out on other people around us. We can't just hold it in. We often use the analogy of the garden hose when we're talking about being a vessel for God. But even a garden hose, if it's plugged up at one end and it keep filling it with water, it's just going to burst because there has to be an outlet. There has to be a flow that goes in and comes out. And we need to remember that as Christians, that our job is not to just receive from God. We have a responsibility as part of our spiritual health and the spiritual health of people around us to breathe out the things of God that he puts in us. Well, exactly. The idea of exchange is really fundamental to this whole process. We take in God, we give out God, we receive God from somebody else. We're a body made out of joints that are fitly joined together together specifically as God leads so that we can 
nourish each other so that we can give what the other person needs and they can support us. So God is with being with others that he has joined you together fitly. This is the idea of spiritual connections that's coming up in the tabernacle movement. Mm -hmm. God is joining us together as his spirit leads with specific individuals, and he is flowing from them to us, and we are flowing with him to them. And we are supplying what the other needs. Now, it's not to everybody. It's to specific people. And we don't get overwhelmed because we're only responsible for like one, two, or three people. Mm-hmm. We're not responsible for 500 people like some pastors are. Right. It just wears them out. But now what God is doing, he is inhabiting the members of the body of Christ, and they are carrying out the ministry. They are doing the work of the Holy Spirit as individuals. And so the burden is spread out. And no one person has to do everything. It's the whole body that's functioning. It's breathing in. It's Mm -hmm, breathing out mm -hmm. God. And we're all being built up in the most holy faith. And this is the paradigm that is shifting right now in the body of Christ. We're going from a five-fold centric ministry to a body-centric ministry. And people are beginning to take on the attributes of the fivefold. They're starting to do the work of an apostle or prophet, or pastor, or an evangelist, or a teacher. And there's many of them. Mm-hmm. And they minister to one or two or three people, or maybe to a small Bible study. But it's not a burdensome thing. It's something that they can handle well. And I think this is a welcome relief. Yeah. Because when you have really, really large churches, just the logistics of it prevent intimate relationship. You know, the logistics of getting 25,000 people in one place even once a week is staggering. The cost of doing that is immense. And you can't have the intimacy that the Holy Spirit really desires between the members because it's just too big. So what God's doing, he's reducing it to where two or three are gathered. And he is there in their midst and he is ministering personally to each person through another person that can devote quite a bit of time and quite a bit of emotional capital and quite a bit of sympathy and understanding Mm. and God can flow through very precisely to the other person as his spirit wills. And this is exactly what's happening. And God is pairing people together. He's putting different parts of the body of Christ in position because everything has to be in its place in order to function well. And this is the body of Christ that he is building and you are being called to do that. Mm -hmm. You're being called specifically by God to allow him to flow through you to another individual or individuals, and he wants you where he wants you. Now, it may be next door. It may be across town. It may be in another country. It doesn't matter. You need to be where God places you to be effective for his kingdom. That's right. And I like what you said about the burden being lifted, because if we consider our Christian life, our relationship with God as that breathing, it's a give and take exchange between us and the people that God connects us to. It's not a burden at all. It's natural. In fact, it's something we have to do. When we take a deep breath in, we don't go, oh man, I have to exhale here in a minute. And I really don't want to. It's a lot of work. It's an effort. I'd rather just keep it all to myself. I really hate having to exhale. We don't think about that. It just automatically comes out. Once we are filled with 
with what we need, we are able to exhale. And we want to exhale. Our body wants to. It's natural. That's how the flow is with God. And that doesn't always happen when you are taking upon yourself a responsibility to minister to somebody that in your mind you think you need to minister to. You have to work up things to, how am I supposed to do this? And I don't really like this person. What am I going to say? But when you are being sensitive to the Spirit and you're being led to be connected to someone to minister to, whether you're just ministering to them for that day, whether you're ministering to them for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, or whether you're connected to them for the rest of your life to minister to each other, it's by the will of God that you minister to that person. And when God ministers to you, you automatically pour back out onto that person. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to plan it. It automatically flows out of you and you want to. It's the natural byproduct of inhaling the Spirit of God, living with the Spirit of God in you. It flows out to the people that He wants you to minister to. And not only is it effortless, it's necessary. It becomes toxic if we just keep all of that inside of us. We have to flow out. And the beautiful thing is when you are with the person you're supposed to be with, when you are connected to and ministering to whoever it is that God wants you to be connected to and minister to, then they feel the same for you. And it's a give and take exchange. It's a circle of inhaling and exhaling what God has to give. And as both of you receive from God, you pour into each other. And it's a beautiful experience and effortless. Exactly. It's our natural state of being in God. And another thing, too, is that when you exhale God, you can take in more of God. Mm. And so as this process goes on, you're constantly replenished by His Spirit. And this is why his yoke is easy and his burden is light, Mm. because God is living in you and through you, and you're just the vessel that does what he wants to do. For many Christians, they feel like Christianity is work. It's a burden. And they willingly take on that burden because they really honestly believe that's how they should be living for God and sacrificing for God. They're totally miserable and things aren't really going right, but they think that God has placed them in that place and so they're willing to bear it for him, which is commendable. There's nothing wrong with that heart, but the truth is if things are really, really bad for you and you're just grinding them out day by day and you're getting up and you're looking at another day and God is something that you really don't want to do, Mm -hmm. there is something wrong fundamentally. And we may realize that, but we don't know what to do with it. And so we just bear it. What I've come to understand is that when God isn't backing up what you're doing, it means there's something amiss. God isn't backing up because you're not really doing what he wants you to do. And sometimes we never re-examine the fundamentals of our belief system or our choices or associations. We just say it's a given and we throw up our hands and say, well, I don't know why it's happening, you know, but I still believe in God. It's good to still believe in God, but it's even better to believe in God and be blessed as you're doing it. Exactly. So when you're breathing in God, it means you're listening to his voice. You're being sensitive to his spirit and you flow with him and you let him come into you effortlessly. And when you breathe out, you're giving out. You're giving out the spirit of God. You're giving out to somebody else. You're giving out maybe in writing or giving out in some way that is his will. And God always supports what he does and what he wants to accomplish. And when you start breathing out God in the way that he wants you to do it, then things tend to get better. Some people are in some very difficult situation. They're in difficult parts of the world. They're in difficult relationships. They're in difficult financial situations. And they don't know what to do. They think that maybe this is what God wants, or maybe they did something bad and they're being punished. 
The truth is that God wants to bless you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have what you need. Now, it may be in a totally different way than you think you need, but he knows you and he knows what you really need. And when we breathe in God and let him fill us, God's light also dwells within. And we can see by revelation what's going on. Or we may be moved by revelation to do something that doesn't make any sense that's going to actually change our circumstance. I remember last night when my septic tank was overflowing, there was somebody here at the house to take care of it, or else it would have been a terrible mess. Yeah. And then I was coming home, and I didn't remember where the cover of the septic tank was. And so I was praying, Lord, will you just lead me to it? Because I don't want to sit there in the dark and dig all night. And so I came home, I grabbed the shovel, and the first place I dug was the top of the septic tank. Exactly. Hit it right away. Yeah. It was right there. And it was so easy. Mm -hmm. I thought, maybe this isn't. (laughs) Because I thought, no, it looked kind of different. It was years ago that we had this thing pumped. So I kept digging, and I was frustrated anyway, but it was too easy that I thought, no, it can't be that easy, Mm -hmm. even though I prayed for it. Exactly. (laughs) And so I was digging, digging, digging for about an hour before I realized that was it. And so I covered it, and it was. Wow. It's just that I didn't remember it that way. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking, you know, God led me exactly where I needed to go, but I didn't have that confidence to just take him at his word. Mm, yeah, even though we had asked him to lead you exactly where you needed to go. Yeah, exactly. And I was breathing in God, but I wasn't trusting what he was doing. And that's a real lesson for me, because I've been walking by the Holy Spirit for many, many, many years. And... I've done some crazy stuff that people would look at and say, you're ridiculous. And still, to this very day, I have difficulty sometimes just trusting him and thinking he's that good. You know, because if you didn't know where that was, you would not find it Mm -hmm. very easily. No, it was buried. Yep. And I asked him, he just did it. And I didn't believe him all the way. Yeah. You know, and my muscles are sore today because of it. (laughs) And... The idea of being spirit-led is that it isn't work. When God does stuff, Mm -hmm. it fits perfectly. It does, and it isn't ease, yeah. Breathing in is no effort. Mm -hmm. Breathing out is no effort. Mm -hmm. It's in the background. It's something we do, and we have to do to survive. And likewise, being led of the spirit and hearing God's voice is something that is just in the background that we're supposed to naturally do. You know, it takes time. You have to practice it to get it right. But... Yeah, I was just thinking about that. You know, I just I, I didn't have to dig all that yeah. time. You know, I could just listen to God, breathe in, and then breathe out mm-hmm. and thank you. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been over. Yeah, and we did. As soon as you hit that, and it was right away, we both were saying, wow, that's exactly what we asked God to do. God is so good. And then doubt came in. Well, that was too easy. Couldn't be it. Because we don't expect the life of God to be that easy. We're taught in Christianity that it's difficult and you need to work. But Jesus promised us that his yoke was easy and his burden is light. It's supposed to be light. And it doesn't have to do with what you are doing. You could have a life that is very laid back and easy and it flows the way it's supposed to and you're not stressed about things. But if you're not doing what God wants you to do, there's this sense of struggle or things are not right or you're out of alignment. Dissatisfaction. Yeah, dissatisfaction. But on the other hand, you could be really, really busy. I'm in a month right now where God's given me many things to do that really make me very, very busy. But I know it's temporary and I understand that every single thing he's asking me to do, he has asked me to do and I'm doing in obedience to him. And 
he gives me supernatural strength. There isn't stress. He's helping me make sure that I'm getting enough rest and he's keeping me healthy when other people around me have been sick. And I don't feel the stress and anxiety that most people would when they had that much on their plate because all of it is spirit led. It's not a lifestyle that I probably could maintain for a long time, but it's something that God wants me to do right now and I'm able to do right now and he gives me the strength for it and it makes it easy. How in the world could I be accomplishing this much and getting all of this done and still feeling the peace of God and the joy and relaxation that just comes over me and the comfort and the contentment and peace, even when I'm busy. I remember times working in churches where I did so many things in the church just because I could and there was a need. And I filled every single gap that I possibly could just because I felt I should. This is a church. I'm working for God. I'm giving my life to God. So that means everything that I can possibly do, I need to do. But of the six or eight things I was doing, maybe two of them were actually what God wanted me to do. And I would get so stressed and so anxious and so tired and so aggravated and just not feel the blessing of God flowing through me as I did it. It was an obligation. And it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't satisfying. But in my mind, I was thinking, well, I have to. That's what being a Christian is, is you sacrifice and you work work and you do things that you don't want to do. And we are taught that you shouldn't think about yourself. You should only think about other people. So consequently, people just wear themselves out serving and they don't take care of their health. They don't take care of their mental health. They don't take care of their own spiritual walk because they feel like if they do, they're selfish. But think about breathing. Nobody considers you to be selfish when you inhale. You have to do that. Like you said, it's in the background. It's the in and out breathing we need to survive. We have to inhale. Nobody considers you selfish when you eat. Nobody considers you selfish when you sleep, although sometimes they do if they think you should be up earlier doing something. It's not selfish to take care of ourselves. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, the as yourself was a given. Everybody loves yourself. There's an innate desire to take care of ourselves, and how much more so when we know we're the temple of God. If I'm the temple of God and God wants to live in me and through me, it's my responsibility to take care of this temple so that I have the ability. If he says, I want you to get up and walk a mile to that person's house, I need to be able to do what I can to make sure that I can walk a mile. If I'm not taking care of myself, then God is not able to use me the way that he may want to. So breathing in is the fundamental thing we've got to do first before we can breathe out. We can't minister to people around us if we're not connected to God, if we're not receiving from God what we need. And the wonderful thing about the way God works is when He gives us what we need, He transforms it inside of us so that we are able to give out, just like He does with the oxygen. We breathe in the oxygen. We need that. We take all we need from the oxygen. Then God miraculously, through our respiratory system, converts whatever is left into carbon dioxide. We breathe that out, and then the plants around us are blessed. So breathing in is necessary. It's not selfish. It's not selfish to connect to God and get your needs met and be led by Him, not only in what you do to minister to people, but what you do to minister to yourself and how you breathe in and allowing God to do in you fully what He wants to do by being in you. And then what needs to pour out will come automatically and it won't be a stress. Exactly. You know, somebody who has to have something else or somebody else breathe for them is either unconscious and dying or they're in the hospital. So breathing is something we need to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Breathing in God is, that's a good point. is not something you can farm out to your pastor or mm, to your yeah, elders that's or, good. or to your friend. I mean, you have to do it yourself. A very personal thing, it what sustains you, not them. Right. And God wants you to understand that everything's coming down to a personal relationship with him in these latter days. It's not a corporate thing. It's not a group thing. It's not a denominational thing. It's you and Jesus. Mm. And you need to breathe in Jesus. 
then you need to breathe out Jesus to other people. I remember I was down at the biodomes in Arizona one time. This is a bunch of domes that they did that experiment of locking people in for a year or two and Mm. seeing if they could survive. Well, afterwards, when these people got out of there, they turned it into a search place and they put three big rooms and they did a control room that had poplars in it. And that was the CO2 level of our present Earth. And then they had another room that was sealed off from the outside and they upped the CO2 level 10, 20%. And then the third room, they upped it a lot. And what was very interesting to me is that Increasing the CO2 level of the trees just 10, 20% made them grow a lot better. Mm. While the third room that had a lot more CO2, they didn't grow so good. Interesting. So we need to breathe out what others need in order for them to grow in God too. We need to allow God to flow from us that he might bless the other members of the body of Christ that he puts us next to. And as we do that, They're doing that to us. We all grow together in abundance. You know, here at Elysia, this community that we're building, we're finding out what the true body of Christ really looks like. It's very different Mm -hmm. from what people think. Right. But when God is allowed to flow, he meets everybody's needs. And it doesn't mean everybody walks perfectly. People still have problems. But those problems are mitigated by the Spirit of God. And they can be individually and very specifically ministered to Mm -hmm. by other members of the body. And we're seeing the financial blessing of God increase in our lives. And we're not doing anything different Mm -mm. than you would do. We're just functioning as God wants us to function. And I'm seeing that the body of Christ, as it is put together by a spirit, will be totally amazing. Yeah. There is no lack. There is no lack. There's no lack of time. There's no lack of money. There's no lack of things. Yeah. There's no lack of anything. And the Holy Spirit is very economical. He uses everything to its complete capacity. And what is lacking in the body of Christ is not things or money or position. It's just love. Mm Mm-hmm. When we love one another as Christ loved us, then everything becomes everybody's. It's not a communistic thing where you're forced to give everything you have. It's just that you count nothing as your own. And of course, if somebody needs, go someplace, you give them a lift. Or if somebody has something extra, they'll share. Mm -hmm. God's taking care of all of us and we have no lack or no need. It's amazing that it works so well in just a small group of people. Right, because like you said, we're not perfect, and we all have things that we deal with, but when we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, it just works beautifully. Exactly, and people are able to be ministered to on a very personal, individual level, Mm -hmm. whereas you'd have to make an appointment with your pastor to have a counseling session once a week. And what's coming ahead of us in the Tabernacle Blessing is something truly astounding. It's something truly satisfying that we've not yet really touched on. We're that city built for square that has 12 manner of stones as their foundation. We're a gleaming city. It's a city that cannot be imagined except God reveal it to you. And I really think that this is worth selling all Mm. and following him. We tend to look at what we have, what we don't have, lack or ability or whatever. I just think that all that is kind of beside the point. We can trust God that Mm. if he is leading us to do something, 
he will provide he for will. his will. Absolutely. He's not going to call us to go someplace and not provide. It'll just be miraculous. Mm-hmm. We might be nervous about it. It's just that we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But he does. He's mm-hmm. not worried about anything. That's what I'm seeing. And as I breathe in God and I breathe out God, say on this podcast, I'm being blessed because God is flowing through me. Mm-hmm. And as he flows through me, I feel him and I'm renewed from my inside out and I receive revelation as I give revelation. It's a wonderful thing. You know, revelation to me is the most thrilling thing Mm -hmm. in the world because you see what God sees. You know what God knows. You see the future from his perspective. You see the past from his perspective. I always used to imagine Adam and Eve standing together with a bunch of animals around them in a garden, you know, and bushes everywhere. But through the Holy Spirit, I saw that wasn't the truth. Adam and Eve lived in an immense Garden of Eden, Mm. and it was sparsely treed, and there was a lot of grass, and there were animals, but they weren't all standing around them. You know, you'd encounter them once in a while. But I couldn't know that except that God showed it to me. You got to ask yourself, what do you really want? Do you want to live like you're living? Or do you want to allow God to take you and set you on higher ground? Do you want to breathe in the Holy Spirit? Then you have to purpose to breathe out the Holy Spirit. Mm. What really matters is the moment. Are you listening to God right now? Are you doing what he wants you to do right now? And if you're not, then you need to change your direction or change your position Or change your heart and allow God to do what he wants to with you. Because at the end of it, when you give an explanation to God at the great white throne judgment, we want to say, well, we didn't understand what was going on, but we did your will because we heard your voice. I mean, that's going to play really, really well. You're going to be extremely happy that you did that. Going by our natural minds and denying what God wanted us to do, that's not going to play so well. You'll receive loss. Now, you'll be saved solely on the basis if you know Jesus Christ and your name is written in the book of life. But your reward or your lack of reward will be based on the things that you did in life. So what do you want to do? Do you really want to sell out and give all to God? Do you want to really have a life that is blessed, a life that is vibrant in God, that is exciting to get up and say, what's God going to do today? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to just continue like you are? You know, if you want to change your future, Do something different in the present. And God is asking you, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to listen to my voice and do my will on a moment-by-moment basis? That, my friend, is going to determine what your life is now and in the future. Yeah, that's right. And it is our choice. But the choice ends up being blessed when you go with what God is leading you. And being with God and breathing Him in is not knowing everything that's happening or everything that's going to happen. It's just having this ease and this comfort in life and the trust that God is going to provide. You know, you mentioned this community that we live in here and that we're building. We don't really understand the purpose of it. We don't really understand everybody's unique role in it. But I really believe we're like a test group for what God is going to do with the entire body of Christ. He's just here flowing through us, flowing around us, and just taking care of us. And it's a really beautiful experience, and it's easy. You just breathe them in, you just breathe them out. And then the effect of everyone around you and everything around you is really powerful. I remember when I was overseas, my compound, my house, was almost like an embassy of heaven. Hmm. People knew that if they were desperate, they would come, and we would minister to them. Sometimes we'd find children sleeping outside our gate, 
and they just knew instinctively this was some place that they could get help. And the heartlessness that was outside the walls did not penetrate inside the walls. We were different. We were like a little bit of heaven on earth, and people were drawn to it. And we had so many people that were able to help at the time they really needed help. We're demonstrating God. Yeah. We're not just talking about God. We live, Alicia, we live the Christ-like life, and we treat people as Christ would treat people. It's not perfect. Nobody is. But as we breathe in God and we breathe out God, we're being that testimony that speaks louder than any church could do. And in the end times, this is what will draw people into the Bride of Christ. It won't be a tract. It won't be Mm. a sermon. It won't be a theological position. It will be a lifestyle that they say, wow, everything is going to hell, literally, but you guys are not worried. You're happy. You're going on. You're taking care of each other. You have enough to eat. You Mm -hmm. have enough to clothe yourselves. You have a place to stay. Can I be part of what you're doing? And as the Spirit leads, we'll say yes or no. And we'll trust God if he says no, because he knows the future. He knows the heart of the person. You have to have the right people. Yeah, definitely. It has to be a God thing. You know, this is going to happen many, many different places in the world. All over the world, there'll be groups of people that have been coalesced by his Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. And they will breathe out God to each other, and the others will breathe in God. And that oscillating effect will build the body of Christ into something that's truly amazing. We're always emphasizing it's your relationship with Jesus. It's a personal, individual thing. And that's right. And this is what people are lacking in this generation, is the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to have that. You cannot rely on your church for that anymore. Your church is not going to be allowed to meet as it is. And you'll be left with two or three people that you maybe can talk to. And those two or three people need to be ordained by God in your life. And you need to be ordained by God in their lives. And this is what's going to be the strength of the Christian church in these latter days when we come to persecution, where we come to lack, where we come to need. And God is preparing his people right now. Those who have ears to hear understand the signs of the times, not because they are some Bible scholar, but because they feel it in their spirit. I feel things happening in my spirit, and I am preparing, not out of fear, but out of being spirit-led. I'm not fearing what's going on. There's plenty to fear, but why fear it? God's in control. Exactly. I am just really wanting to get across to you in some way that you need to hear God for yourself. You need to have a relationship that if you can't go to church, you still visit God all the time. This is so important. I cannot overemphasize it in your lives. Yeah, that individual relationship with Jesus so that you know exactly what he wants you personally to do. Like you said earlier, nobody can breathe for you. If someone is having to breathe for you through a respirator or mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, it's not a good thing. You've got to learn to do it for yourself. You can't sustain that. You have to be able to breathe for yourself. The other interesting thing is that we need each other, but we don't just need anybody. We need the people that God wants to connect us to. I heard something the other day that said they are finding that the best healing power for depression is human relationship. 
if someone is very depressed and they have a very good human relationship with somebody who loves them and cares for them and understands them and spends time with them, treats them well, that is the best cure for depression. And that is just like God. We are tribal creatures. God created humans to live with other humans. We are very dependent on each other, interdependent for what we need. And when we step into the fullness of what God is doing in the body of Christ in this season that we're in, we're going to see that more and more. But it's not just anybody. You can't just ask, are you a Christian? Okay, come here. Because God may want them to connect with somebody elsewhere. And God may want you to connect with other people. It has to be spirit-led. But when it is, then there is just a synchronicity that you flow together. And not only that, but the blessing of God and the presence of God is there in such a way that it's just, it's amazing. It's the way we're meant to live. We're meant to live with the tribe of people that God calls us to be with and for everybody to do their part and accomplish what needs to be done, whatever is the unique experience and expression of that group. We heard from one woman who said she felt the call to build an Alicia in Zimbabwe. And she was from that country, but she had left for a while. She wanted to go back and build that. Ask God and be with the people that you need to be with, because that is the way that I believe he is growing his body at this time, is connecting people one by one and putting them together in small groups where they can breathe in what God flows through each other and breathe out to each other what God flows. And the spirit of God, the blessing of God that is on those types of groups is absolutely phenomenal. Exactly. You know, if you live in a part of the world where it's predominantly Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, if you stand on the street corner and start preaching Christ, you may find difficulty. And that's because they're ready for that. They see you coming. I remember being down in Mombasa and they'd have Muslim people setting up kind of these false, we're going to talk to Christian things. And they'd have a big bunch of people around them and they'd have the person pretend to be a Christian and ask him a question. And then they refute Christianity and demonstrate that way that their Muslim was true. The truth is in many places in the world, you can't convert people. You need to find a different way to get Christ out. And the thing about tabernacles is not doctrine-centric. It's not a teaching ministry. It's a revelation mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, exactly. And you become the message. Just like Paul said, you're a living epistle read and known of all men. You become the message. And love is a very universal language. Mm -hmm. And so it works just as good in a Muslim context as it does in a Hindu context or it does in a English context. It knows no doctrine. It only knows the heart of God. And when you allow God to speak through you in love, in a very tangible way, humans are predisposed to respond to that. And that's what they're really needing and wanting. And even in a Muslim context, you can love people. Yeah. And they will individually ask you, why do you treat me so well? It's because God loves you. Well, I've never known Allah like that. And you can say, well, it's Jesus Christ. But I've been taught that that's wrong. No, it's not. He's a real person. That's why I love you. That's why we connect in our spirits. You will not have to tell them why Muhammad is wrong. You only have to demonstrate why Jesus is right. Mm -hmm. And this will speak so loudly in these coming days that people will cross the lines of religion out of religion and just become part of Jesus. I don't discuss doctrine anymore because it's superfluous. It's not the center of what God's doing. It's the experience of Christ that he wants to have happen. And when we experience Christ as individuals, we will agree as a body because there's one person and we will understand that person individually. Therefore, we will agree 
corporately. Love is that universal need that we all have that God wants to fill, but it can only be filled by being truly connected to the Creator. And the only way to be truly connected to the Creator is through Jesus Christ. So demonstrating that is going to be the key to allowing people to see what needs to be done and letting them come into this beautiful thing that God's doing right now. You may be in Congo and you may be in a really rough place and you may not know what to do because your life is literally on the line and you don't know what next move to make. And this is where Tabernacles comes in because when you become one with God and go where God wants you to say what God wants you to say, give what God wants you to give, you are protected by the Holy Spirit and you will find that there is a way through the difficulty that faces you. But it's not a way that you would imagine by the natural man. Tabernacles works really good in the most God-forsaken places that you can imagine. And precisely because they are dry, Mm -hmm. the water makes a big difference. And the Holy Spirit is the water you got to give to these people. It's the cup that will soothe their thirst. And they, as humans, will respond to that. But it has to be done in due season. It's got to be a word given at the correct time. It's got to be an action taken when God leads you to do it. Where there is so much hate, only God's love from above can pierce that darkness. We are living in an age of incredible darkness, and Mm -hmm. we know it not. We are really, really messed up. And because we've grown up in it, we don't realize it. But when you allow God's revelation to breathe into you and to fill you, then the light turns on and you see things for what they really are. And then when you breathe it out, that light that's in you also illuminates other people and they see things for how they truly are. There's so many things that are going on in this world now that are absolutely against God. And people are being lulled into a sense that it's okay. It's not. God never wanted it that way. He never even entered his mind to do these things. And you will not know it unless God breathes into you and illuminates your heart and your mind. And this is why it's got to be personal. You cannot live off your pastor's spirituality anymore. You have to have a spirituality born of the Holy Spirit, a personal relationship that will sustain you in this darkness. Only strong revelation will pierce strong delusion. And this is what we're trying to herald. This is what we're trying to encourage everyone in the sound of our voice to do is that you need to breathe in God. You need to live. You need to have God fill you so that he can sustain you. And then when he does, you need to breathe out. And even if it's difficult, you still need to do it because your life depends on it. That's right. And seeing it as easy as breathing just kind of takes all the burden out of it. We don't have to worry about things because we're in the will of God. We're following his flow and he'll take care of everything for us. If we go through a difficulty, a challenge or a trial, he'll be there with us and he will get us through it. But when we allow him to just live through us, he delights in that and he can accomplish what he wants to get done on this earth. Amen. Well, there we have it. You have made it again to the end of God's Love Club podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Church of the Superficial, you gotta see us pray, hey, hey. First Church of the Superficial, come be a member today. And now, coming to you live from that cathedral built for us, the righteous reverend. Hi, how are you? 
I am the Righteous Reverend, and I'm coming to you live from that cathedral built for a square. It's been a wonderful week at the First Church of the Superficial, where we are increased with good and have need of practically nothing. And I'm just amazed. The bigger that we build, the more righteous we seem. And God is really with us because a lot of more people are coming. I cannot put seats in this place fast enough because the more rich we are, the more people think that we really know God. It's amazing how that works. We've just recently added another 5,000 seats and you know, that was a really big task because then we had to build the parking lot, we had to get the shuttle buses, more ushers, more rachettes to dance. It was just a lot of work, but it was really worth it. The money changers have borne that out excessively. You know, it's hard to be me, I understand, and I would not wish that on anybody else. I have a lot on my shoulders, but I take it willingly because I know it's God's will that I, I go forth and I build. It's been a righteous moment with a righteous reverend. Be blessed. Thank you for being with us to the end of God's Love Club. We love you. We appreciate you. We ask that God bless you during the next seven days and make your way clear so that you'll know exactly what to do, when to do it, and with whom to do it. You have a great day, a great week, and we'll see you next time in God's Love Club. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you for being... Well, thank us. <laughs> How do you follow that up? I mean, you don't. I, I just feel inadequate in some way. <laughs> <laughs>